Indicting 12 Russians won't make them skip a beat, but railroading Papa John crossed the line. Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. Although I have been out for a couple of weeks, I don't think I have ever taken that much time off voluntarily. But I had a unique opportunity, which is actually relevant to what's going on in the world today. I had a chance to go to the World Cup in Russia. I actually did quite a few things. Went to Europe. Um... I went to Prague, Stockholm, London, St. Petersburg, and Moscow. And I paid special attention to understanding the impressions people in those places have about what's going on in the world. And also, I paid careful attention to my impressions of Russia to see if I could understand why... Everybody hates them right now, (laughs) you know, or whatever. They're under attack right now. And I got some really, I think, very meaningful insights, and I would love to share them with you. Like, my impulse is to just dump it all on you right now in one, like, 10-minute monologue of uh, everything I learned on my summer vacation, but I'm going to take it slow I'm going to slow that down. Uh, Another thing that I um, absolutely was... So my impression of what's going on with Russia, I'll just give it to you in a nutshell, is I really... I I was reinforced in my belief that that Russia is a threat to the Anglo-American desire to be the most powerful in the world, or maybe it's oil hegemony. This expression hegemony is really important. I think it, it I actually should have looked it up specifically what hegemon is, but it's basically the dominant force or the, the number one peer, you know, and um, there isn't really a world hegemon, like someone who really controls the world, but like the U S is the hegemon of the West And that's what the Monroe Doctrine really says, is that we're the dominant power in the West. Germany should be the dominant, the hegemon of Europe. It's the natural hegemon of Europe, which always threatens England. China is maybe the natural hegemon of Asia, although Japan has tried to challenge that. But Russia could be the natural hegemon of the entire Eurasian continent just because of how the landmass and the cultures, the breadbasket, the the resources, the energy resources. Russia has always been, or I should say, a Russian alliance with China, or especially Germany, has always been the biggest threat to the UK, let's say, to England, to the British Empire. And a book I brought just for the purpose of kind of dovetailing with what I was looking for, did an amazing job of helping me, uh, maybe it just was a confirmation bias and told me what I wanted to hear already, but what a, it was such a great book, an overview of the past century and how this this desire to be the hegemon or to dominate the energy, uh, to control the energy of the world for geopolitical purposes is really what guided the wars. The name of the book was, is, uh, A Century of War, 
Anglo-American Oil Politics and the New World Order by William Engdahl, who I guess is kind of controversial. I don't know. This book was great. I've heard him interviewed. He seems sane to me, but it was just great. And the idea behind it was that basically English foreign policy is always designed to uh, – is always focused on what England thinks is the biggest threat that um, – and that the biggest threat to England is always the unification of what's called the world island, Eurasia. It's big Niv Brzezinski used to talk about that. Whoever controls the world island goes back to a guy named McKinder, a U.K. guy who – laid this idea out over 100 years ago, I'm pretty sure. Um, so anyway, so they, they look at, they've always tried to keep Germany and Russia apart. And when I came home, so this is what how I'm approaching my trip. And then I come home and I hear Trump at NATO saying, Germany needs to stop buying gas from Russia. Like basically attacking that alliance, which is completely in line with kind of the last 100 years of history over there. And this goes with some of the stuff that we've talked about before on this show and also the podcast I do with my producer Binkley called Propaganda Report. We've talked about uh, how the English started kind of this antagonism towards Russia only a few years ago, kind of ramped it up. And we've been, we think that's the origin of, uh, of all this hostility. So this week when they said, uh, when Mueller indicted 12 Russians uh, for trying to interfere in our elections. I just, I don't buy it not only because they're not really bringing out any evidence, but because I don't think they would do that. If you hear what Trump said, uh, it's very similar to what Hillary said in 2014 after MH17 went down over Ukraine. She said, first thing Europe has to do is stop buying gas from Russia. Like, it just didn't even see, it was like a non sequitur, but... Their goal is to keep Germany and Russia separate, to keep Russia from having energy power. I believe that's where the Ukrainian conflict is coming from and the Syrian conflict as the kind of gateways from eastern gas into Europe or gas controlled by Russia or influenced by Russia. So it's this big geopolitical battle. It could be about countries. It could be about oil. I don't know. But when I was in Russia and I saw, and I'd been there 10 years before, when I saw how fast they were growing... Um, and how westernized they were becoming, how commercial. It actually was kind of sad in a way because they were just turning into Europe. But you could see that at that pace, they could really be uh, uh, beginning to pose a burgeoning threat to maybe the the UK world order, the way we look at China as a big threat to us. I think maybe Russia is the really big threat because they could – they have natural cultural ability to kind of join forces with Germany and Europe. And that's where I think that's all coming from. So that was a lot. I'm absolutely happy to peel the onion on that or clarify or be corrected. If you think that that's, um, I'm missing something Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty one eight hundred wsb talk. Uh, I also found that there were, ridiculous misconceptions about Americans. There always are. And it's usually the same two, but there was a third one added. And uh, I'm going to, I want to talk about that. But first, uh, I want to say hi to Binkley. How are you doing, Binkley? I'm just glad you're back from your Russian trip. <laughs> you safely. thought you were, you worried? I, I thought you were going to get recruited by the KGB. 
No, I I do. I was I was confused at how I would be received, and when I I got a um, tour guide in St. Petersburg because I took my son who's twelve and just loves Russia, and uh, I was talking to her. The first thing I said to her was like, "What's going on? Like, what's going on in the world? Why why are we in such conflict with Russia?" And she was like, "I don't know." And they're always, I always think they're so savvy, you know, they grew up behind the Iron Curtain, and they don't believe any media, whatever. But but in the end, the propaganda just busts through so hard. She was just like, well, Michael Moore exposes like, how oh awful gosh. your country is. I'm like, oh, my she gosh. She brought up Michael Moore? She brought up Michael Moore. Oh, my god. She brought up Michael Moore. And, uh, and I was like, well, he's just a propagandist. She's like, why would he do that? Why would he benefit? I'm like, really? You he's can't... a known propagandist. Yes. Who knows how he's benefiting specifically? Could be just an ideologue. He certainly got rich off it, off of tapping into people's emotions. He's trying to cause a civil war right now. To promote his movie that's coming out in two months. Oh, what's the movie? Fahrenheit eleven nine, the day Trump, it was announced. Whoa! Oh, I didn't even know realize there was like n- numerical. And symmetry. he's basically telling people that they have to. He said, "Put their bodies on the line," and he's making it sound urgent. And then he's saying, "I have the answer, and I'll tell you in two months if you come see my movie." Well, then there you go. So, and of course, people lap that stuff up. I'm actually trying to get better at not. It's like clickbait, you know. You just want the stuff that's like bad or gripping is the stuff that gets you engaged. I just I, I'm trying to avoid that. But there, I want to talk about this. One of the things that she said is is like um, a Michael Moore thing. She one of the things this gal said was how outrageous it was, and I think she got this from Michael Moore, that we don't have one person, one vote here. So she was like, how can that be? It just doesn't make sense. I said, well, we are historically, like the Constitution was written for these sovereign states to have the superiority over this federal government. And she was just, could not conceive of what I was saying. She's like, it's just wrong that your votes don't count. (laughs) It's like... Okay, but, you know, and actually, I wouldn't even care. I know uh, Michael Moore, like, wants to end the Electoral College or something like that. And um, I wouldn't even care if they, if we maintained the Constitution in every other way, like the separation of powers and the Tenth Amendment and all the amendments. I wouldn't even care because the executive branch shouldn't be as powerful as it is. But it is quite powerful. And But it was hard for me to explain to her you know, to try to get through that. And, and I started, I started to lose hope that, that anybody is immune from propaganda, even worldwide propaganda. You know, we can, we can reach people in the furthest reaches of the world at this point. In an instant, you can whisper in the ear of the world. Yes. But she was worried. This is what I was going to say. She was worried about me. Like I was talking to her and she was like, why do you have I said I was telling her what people in the U.S. think and I don't think that she's like well why do you have a different view I was like I don't know I try to think hard I have a radio show and I gotta you know kind of try to dig a little deeper and add some value and some insight she was like aren't you worried about your safety I was like no but maybe (laughs) maybe that was her perspective or maybe she had a point but um, I did try to not make big waves I didn't take any cards with me that are little cards that say you know the propaganda report or monica perez show like i just did not want to be at the airport like what is this what is this you're a propagandist (laughs) 
Never mind. So uh, I want to talk about some of the misconceptions they had. You're going to like this. And you, I know you have lots of stuff about uh, the Papa John's thing, which you have really outraged me. I don't normally get outraged. That was outrageous. I want to do that at the 4 o'clock hour. But right after the break, I want to talk a little bit more about some of the crazy things people think about Americans. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. She's an anti-Terminator. Terminator? On News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I can't hear that. So we Binkley found for us a clip of Michael Moore calling for an end to the Electoral College. Do we have that clip? Yes, we do. Let's hear it. I can't hear it. Let's try it now. The country we live in doesn't want the Republicans in the White House. They don't want them running this country. We're the majority. We're the majority. And I don't know, on that positive note... Electoral college. Electoral college. Electoral college. Get rid of it. Get rid of it, Democrats. So this, this, I found, I should say this, it was resonating when I was in Russia. This chick was saying, it's crazy that you don't, elect your president by majority and i still maintain that you don't really know what the majority is because nobody in a red state or blue state votes for the minority party so only purple states are you really going to have a robust measure of what the popular vote would have looked like you know what i'm saying you just stay home in texas i never i rarely voted because you just knew who was going to win. It didn't matter whether you were for it or against it. You knew who was going to win. But I would also, I I just don't think, um, you know, you also, you have to understand that when you get to a point where half the people work for the government or are on the dole, like oh, I think Obamacare put us over the edge where 51% of the people or more would be dependent on the government for their livelihoods then you're going to get people voting for bigger government. I mean, you're just paying them to do it. And, uh, you know, that you have to, it's just not, I, I would like to talk a little bit more about these fundamental ideals of what government is for and what just government is about. And I think the European style, which is what people like Michael Moore are moving us forward towards, backwards towards isn't appropriate for us because we don't have that history of land appropriation by the moneyed classes so i want to talk a little bit about that if that's not getting even deeper after the break 404-872-0750 1-800-WSB talk this is monica perez monica perez wait a minute this is the future all the phase of on news 95.5 and am 750 <laughs> wsb should I admit that Demolition Man is, like, one of my favorite movies of all time? Best movie of all time. <laughs> I just love that movie. I love Terminator movies. Very strange. I have strange taste in movies. Uh, and then the books I read are just, like, my husband's like, I can't even read the title. Like, how are you on page 300? It's a weird economics book. <laughs> no, well, for a while there, I was just reading, like, the super, what I call deep history stuff. You know, then it started getting kind of a cult, and I just... It's irrelevant to me. It's like the alien stuff. It may be true. I have no idea, but it's totally irrelevant to me because we just, 
I always come back to the same thing. We just need to return to principles. Principles, I mean, as basic as don't kill and don't steal. And then actually over the years of doing this show, before when I first started the show, I had gotten to the point where I gave up completely on the American experiments, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, didn't care at all. And over the years, I have come to believe that there is real power in defining a universal set of principles that we all recognize as true and good and can rally around. And I think it's very hard for them to tear that down. And it's our only protections against total tyranny is the Bill of Rights. I really think that I, maybe I'm wrong, but but what I was saying right before the break, <clears throat> and I, I don't want to go on and on. I just want to clarify um, that the European system was the, I believe that socialism arose as a response to the fact that basically all the land was already bought up over there and not bought up, appropriated by like during the feudal days. If you go into London, I've seen this numerous times and I've read, it's like a, the norm is to have 99-year leases. So you see entire squares and buildings worth tens of millions of dollars, pounds, whatever, owned by, like, some duke whose family's been around for hundreds of years, and they just sell these 99-year leases, and then then the property reverts back to their grandchildren or whatever. And so they have this impossible situation where you really can never break into the landed class or the money class or whatever. And there's no way to kind of right the wrong of where the original property rights came from. So your only hope is to have them give some money away. Like they even ran the government, right? Cause it was aristocracy through socialism. It's like your only hope. Whereas here just competition, like in the 19th century and stuff, just competition, free trade, free you know entrepreneurship, free markets, really drove productivity and wealth and equality because you would. So that's why John D. Rockefeller said competition is a sin, because competition is what would keep a guy like him from getting that kind of money and power, and it's what it really creates a more equal society, really robust middle class of merchants and craftsmen and stuff like that. So to impose this European-style socialism on us is not natural. And that's why I feel like they had to put the cart before the horse and get everybody on welfare, even if they didn't need it. And there, there's stuff from the 60s talking about how they are going to deliberately break up communities. And, uh, and like, for example, inner-city communities, minority communities, African-American communities started. They had, in the 60s, like very low divorce rate and then welfare was deliberately implemented to break up those societies and get people dependent and uh and then now they want to bring this socialism i'm just saying i was just following up on like michael moore's rabid saying that you know we don't want republicans we want basically socialism but it's a function of having it having become dependent on it i think if that's true which i don't stipulate Breaking up the families is straight out of the out of the communist manifesto. That's I want to talk about that, and I want to talk about something else that I have deduced is also straight out of the communist manifesto. But I want to go to Linda in Kennesaw first, if we have a second. Hey, uh, hi, Linda, you're on with Monica. I can't hear you, Linda. Why can't I hear you? Oh, because I'm in my car. All right, I got you. Go ahead. Let's hear it. Okay. 
Yeah, Michael Moore is an idiot, first of all. Uh, number <laughs> two, uh, this country was built on people that ran away from tyranny. It was built on people that ran away from socialism and communism because we have all the freedoms. I'm an immigrant. I came here at the age of 16 to go to college. And I came legally, by the way. And um, one of the most beautiful things about us here in the U.S. is that uh, we have the freedom. We have the freedom to work, make all the money that we want. In Greece, where I was raised, uh, I did go to an American school, but I was raised there. Uh, you would not want to go to a, a clinic or a government hospital because you would die. You will never get out. Uh, people that live overseas and come to live here in the U.S., they appreciate the U.S. And fortunately... Um, the majority of the public, they worry about what the Kardashians are wearing instead of reading the Constitution, instead of understanding what a valuable freedom of choice we have. And, and getting rid of the state's rights, that's heading straight to tyranny, heading straight to socialism, communism, and, of course, it will be tyranny. We would be no different than Iraq having a dictator that buys all the votes. Or, uh, I, I want to ask you, Linda, something. Yeah. Two things I want to ask you. One, I want you to uh, give me one more sentence on why you think getting rid of states' rights would lead to tyranny. I want you to expand on that, and then I have one more question after that. Well, that's because we'll all be under one federal government, and the government's going to dictate to all of us uh, what to eat and what to wear, and we would not have a choice to say no. We don't want to implement, for example... Uh, you know, like Medicaid. Right now, in the state of Georgia, Medicaid is very regulated. It's not the same as what they have in California, and that's why California is going bankrupt and Georgia is not. So, so you're going to have a federal government that tells you who to give money to and who not to. Uh, the government is going to tell you what to wear, what to eat, and how much to charge for food and milk and all of that. Yeah, I agree, and I think one big problem is if they, when they, they really are in a push, I don't know if you can tell, see it as I see it, but to get the the policing on the federal level. So I really like the fact that if they try to pull their nonsense or use political power to railroad people on the local level, you still have local police and others that are not in that system, where I feel like... If it's just one big government machine, you as an individual are vulnerable to injustice. But I have one more question for you. You said sure. you wouldn't want to go to a clinic there or all that stuff. And I've seen it myself. I actually um, did some business with a, a health care facility in England a long time ago, and I was kind of shocked. And um, But one preconception I have heard all around the world, every place I have ever traveled to this day is that people in the United States are getting shot to death all the time or shot by guns and they're dying in the gutters because they don't have universal health care. That is like a, you will say that to any, it sounds like a ridiculous thing. Anyone I say that to people are like, really? You don't like everyone gets shot all the time and nobody gets medical care. That's really what they believe. Do you find if you still keep in touch with people from uh, Greece, that they have this misconception about our health care, especially, and also gun violence? Uh, they don't like their own health care over there. I mean, my I have a lot of friends over there, and uh, especially like me, when I was in high school, I had food poisoning. My parents took me to a private clinic where the doctor and his nurse took care of me for three days, 
because they refused to take me to a government hospital because they all laugh at their own government hospitals. They they, they don't like it. Do they it's know that our system works? Yes, they do, because mm-hmm. guess what? Because they came here and they've seen it and they went back yeah. home. Uh, yes. People that travel and see what's going on, uh, people that are educated, yes. um, they know the difference. They know what's You know, going that's on. a good point because I I base basically everything on my conversations with Uber drivers and cab drivers and tour guides and um and and I will say like most recently when I was over there I asked that question about uh healthcare to an English guy and he said well, I always thought that, but I took my first trip to America last year, and I couldn't believe how great it was. And I thought, I have relatives. I have yeah. relatives in Canada, and uh, one of the aunts needed an MRI, and because she was seventy-two years old, she had to wait ten months for her MRI. Guess what? Her son sent her here to the U.S. Yeah, she did her MRI, took it with her, and went back. Yeah. Well, that's the problem with the socialism and the totalitarianism and the and putting all the power at the top. You are not going to have choices anymore. That's why communism. Uh, I'm going to let you go, Linda. Thank you so so much for the call. Um, but Binkley, we were talking about communism. Uh, that's why communism was an international concept because what they could not have was choice or people escaping. I read an article about um now silicon valley is pushing this but a lot of people at the top are pushing this this idea of universal basic basic income and they're doing it in this little town stockton in california that has um really got hit hard by the financial crisis and all that and what how they're doing they're giving all like a thousand poor people check every month but it's being financed by some silicon valley guy facebooker but my my argument is okay. Once that guy goes away, and they need other people in Stockton to pay this, how are they going to keep the middle class Stockton people in Stockton to pay off the lower class Stockton people? They're going to have to build a wall, you know, to keep those people in. They're going to have to get IDs from the poor people to make sure that they're from Stockton, right? That's not really going to work. So what do you have to do? You have to make sure all the borders. Well, the borderlands have the same policies. It was like with the no smoking. When they first implemented it county by county in California, all the restaurants suffered in the counties that had the no smoking policy because people would just go to the next county over and and go to restaurants where they could smoke. And that was the argument, if I recall correctly, for California as a state to pass that law because at the local level you can't have these – restrictive, totalitarian, communist, slave-driving laws at a local level if people get to escape. And these countries did not let people escape because I was just behind the Iron Curtain or the former Iron Curtain. They were not allowed to leave before. That is a principle of communism, let no one escape. Right, and that's why communism was international, whereas national socialism, which comes with all this other baggage, I'm not like advocating that but i'm just saying that's was the name of it and fascism it it wasn't about see that's why like the right in europe was never about what the right in america was about we were traditional conservatives who our conservatives our historical values were liberty oriented in europe it was right versus left but it was always about taking stuff from you know trying to get stuff back from 
the people who stole it from you or exploited you or whatever for hundreds of years. It's a totally different dynamic. But really, the main difference from what I can tell between, well, I mean, this the fascism was talking about corporate profits still being used to motivate the private actor, which I guess is where China kind of is right now. But the main difference was that it was national versus international. And I guess that's why they had to have let people get some of the profits so they wouldn't leave. Because if you're just going to have national, that means you're not making the whole world do it. And you can't just build a wall. You know what I'm saying? Is that too complicated? Everybody's not suffering equally. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I really don't want to get into the merits and demerits of fascism versus communism. I would really like to champion the historical American experiment of liberty and free markets, because I think that's the that's the the sweet spot. That's the morally correct and economically correct position. But I want to talk one more thing about the a communist principle as it applies to Papa John. We'll get to that at the top of the hour. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Everything you do is being watched by some all-seeing eye. On News 95.5 <laughs> at AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB. I want to, uh, at the top of the hour, 4 o'clock hour, I don't know how much press this Papa John's thing is getting, but Binkley, my producer here, has really uh, proven to me that that guy was absolutely set up, tricked, railroaded. He, uh, it's just really outrageous. I've got some insights into this as a, as an explanation for a lot of stuff that's going on right now with the identity politics, but I think it's worth taking some time and letting Binkley lay out for us what really went on there. Uh, I also wouldn't mind getting some tweets if we have any, or if you want to tweet me now at Monica Perez show. And, um, and also if, if you want to call, if you, if you think I'm leaving any out, but when I, I was just traveling a lot in Europe and I noticed this, I, I, this, I noticed this also when I traveled in Australia, they had the exact same misconceptions about America, definitely propaganda driven. There were two. One was always like you don't have universal health care. People literally die in the gutter right outside of a hospital because they get kicked out and they can't even like make it home. And they just literally get turned away. People think that 100 percent. And it's just not true. And they don't understand Medicare and Medicaid. I'm like, look, we have the safety net for people who are needy. It's just the middle class who's like, you know, forced into Obamacare. They don't understand that. This other chick was saying the Electoral College means that we don't have one person, one vote. But I got a new one this time. Waitresses make $2 an hour because they can't count on tips. And as a longtime waitress, I can tell you right now, never once did I go home with $2 an hour. Uh, but if you know of any other misconceptions you think I'm missing, I'd love to hear it. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Or call or tweet at me about anything at Monica Perez Show. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to do. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. 
This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. We are deep in a discussion that's kind of deep about I just got back from Russia and Europe and I went to numerous different places. Prague, Stockholm, St. Petersburg, Moscow, London. That's as much as I can remember for all the jet lag. And I kind of tried to stay aware of what people were, uh, what they think of life in America, how propagandized they are, what is really going on with Russia. I gave some of my insights in the first hour of the show. And if you want to hear that, you want to go back, uh, for sure, you can listen to it on the podcast. We put it up. My producer Binkley here will put it up as soon as it's available on propagandareportdaily.com. But I wanted to get some of your reactions. Uh, I also want to get some of your tweets at Monica Perez show. Binkley, if you could tee something like that up and I'm going to take a quick call. Uh, I put out the word. If you want to share with me any of your thoughts on misconceptions people have about Americans abroad. But then I'm going to change topics to uh, the Papa John story. I don't know if the real truth of this is out there, but you're going to get it on this show. Uh, Binkley laid it out for me, and I, I'm I'm pretty outraged. So I want to get to that. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to Bill in Woodstock. Hi, Bill. You are on with Monica. Hello, Monica. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Uh, I could probably give you a unique perspective on uh, uh, one thing for sure. You get the propaganda thing down. That, that's the way the world's been working for how many millenniums? <laughs> at least two. Yeah, at least two. All right. <laughs> yeah. I've been traveling to Ukraine for the better part of 18, 19 years. Um, I've had a girlfriend there that I've known for 18 years. We'll, we'll probably get married one day. I'm 60 years old. We'll probably get married one day. But they're, they want to be like us so bad. They want to be free. They want to, you know, you follow So me? is she in Kiev? No, she lives in is a forsaken place called Mariupol, Ukraine, which is right on the edge, uh, where, when, uh, I hate to, I don't want to talk bad about any president, but Obama gave away Odessa, excuse me, gave away Crimea. He gave away Lugansk. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So she definitely lives on the western half of Ukraine. Because the. the, She's on the far eastern side. Oh, she is. So she's in the Russian, the the Russian ethnically. All right, let me. I realize I, I respect the fact that you went there and you saw it. I've been going there so many times. No, I didn't go to Ukraine. Hold on. I, I do want to say no. one thing, though. The no, re- I'm interested in Ukraine because the idea that, you know, have you heard the tapes of Victoria Nuland, the assistant secretary of state, plotting a coup against the democratically elected government in Ukraine? Of course. And the and. And so how can you say that Obama gave away Crimea? I mean, he created that crisis. I didn't, I didn't say he gave it away. I'm saying that everything was all set for Ukraine to join the European Union, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Putin, he's got deep pockets, and he's a pretty 
can't imagine how powerful he is in Ukraine. He, at the last minute, said, no, Russia's making us a better deal. And they almost killed him. They, they were pumping him with joxin to the point where his face was rotting away. Who almost killed whom? Uh, all right. I got to give you perspective. You understand what the mafia is, right? These yeah, I just want you to clarify what you said. Who was Because, look, I can't. If we're going to get into this story, it's got to be crystal clear, and it can't take. You know, we can't go way, way back. I'm just saying okay. the the. So Putin made him a better deal. He took it. Then the EU didn't like that, and the and there is leaked audio that their investigation showed that there that the that violent uprising was actually instigated by a single sniper who shot both protesters and police in order to create the circumstances where this president almost got killed. Well, okay. Yeah, that's, you know, there's always two sides, two sides to any coin. I, I, I'm trying to keep it simple and stupid, okay? They, their culture, their norm is, you know, Putin is revered. Even in Ukraine, he's revered because Ukraine is a really strange place. It's the breadbasket of Russia. And the, the, the word Ukraina, which is the word Ukraine, in, in a true translation from Russian, actually means out country. And they've always been like, not a bastard stepchild, but we own you. And, and that's what yeah. it is. There's and a storied history. I, I'm familiar. Go ahead. Keep what's going. That? I'm interested in, in what's, what's your upshot. I'm interested. All right. My upshot is real simple, okay? Now I've got to think about it. Oh, <laughs> uh, how do I how do I phrase it? Um, is all right. They look at us and they want to be like us, but they also look at us and they say we're a bunch of pigs. In Russian, you'd say "dikovs skinia." That's yeah. I I I think you're right there. Yeah, and so. That Therefore, weird dichotomy. Yeah. And, and like you said, it's a it's a subculture thing. It's been going on. I mean, think of how many years, hundreds of years, you know, you know that czars have ruled Eastern Europe and all this stuff. And, it, you know, it, 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 it's impossible to, like, you know, put it into a simple sentence or paragraph or you'd have to get a doctorate in it, so to speak. But. I love I love America. I'm an American citizen. I'm 60 years old. I'm blessed by God to have a good job and you know have enough money. And I'll probably retire in a couple of years. And I moved to Ukraine. And I can I you can't. It's hard to live in Ukraine and spend a thousand dollars a month. It's hard to spend that much money. Yeah, it's it's a genius notion to make your money here and go someplace cheaper. I love that. And I have to say, I want to... Yeah, I, you go to South America, you can go anywhere you want. In terms of that. But I want to... Um, you brought up a very good point I want to elaborate on. Thank you very much, Bill. That when I talk about this kind of Anglo-American worldview and how Russia is a threat to that, I did not bring up which is true, uh, you know, that I don't 
think of Putin heroically or Russia as great. Like I, I've actually thought of of that possibility. Like, what if they're the only hope for to retain to restrain what might be developing, emerging as absolute power? You know, which having this single superpower was not good for the U.S. It actually was not good for us. We violate our American exceptionalism means we are an exception to the law of nations. And the law of nations is what our country was founded on. It's it's an exception to the rules of sovereignty. And and um, that's really what, if you think about that expression, if you really look what it means in practice with the people who kind of invented the term, means that's what it is. I don't look at Russia as heroic, just as competitive pressure that might be good to keep this absolute power from emerging. But, of course, they may well have the same designs. Certainly, I would assume that they also acknowledge this Monroe Doctrine type uh, idea of a regional hegemon, the regional guy who's in charge of his region, like the U.S. is in the Western Hemisphere. Russia must think of itself that way with respect to Central Europe and Eastern Europe, um, and it was that if you want to look at the kind of mainstream narrative, it was that conflict that where Germany and Russia would kind of clash because Germany would view itself as the European hegemon and they would get Central Europe. You know, like you that's even the mainstream will will say that. This is just a reality I'm trying to bring out, like how to look at it is not this idea that this Binkley, the the clips you gave me from the Chatham House, which is the kind of Council of Foreign Relations of Europe where they talk about literally clip after clip. I was trying to pick a few out of the ones you sent me, but they're they're all the same. It's just it's just vicious propaganda about how Putin is like subhuman and you can't talk to him because he's completely with outside the realm of any kind of political norms and then describes what he does, which is exactly what we do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It reminds me of like all the propaganda you've always said. Propaganda is always some guy blaming the other guy for doing the same thing he's doing. Yeah. And that's what it comes off as. So I don't mean to – I appreciate the call, Bill, and it really helped. I like to bring out the weaknesses in the argument, which are – I'm not saying they're heroes. I'm just saying there there are two sides to the story, and uh, – if we're not going to abide by objective universal principles of right and wrong and respect the sovereignty of other countries, you can't really defend our behavior in the face of others who are accusing of doing the same thing. And maybe the, a competitive posture. And bottom line is, if we had stuck to those principles, our 19th century principles of free markets and, and individual liberty and strong property rights and limited government – we would be a, a, an Eden. We would be so overwhelmingly powerful just by virtue of economic prosperity. I mean, we'd be as rich as the richest Saudis as the lowest person here. Really, I believe that. And, I, and they put the brakes on it on purpose. Like, that stuff is in the record. So I I think that would have been the answer that we would have won in a truly competitive battle, but we decided to get lazy or to try to control all the oil in the world or whatever. And now here we are where the ultimate, the end game might be violence. It certainly has been in the past. Anyway, 
Let's uh, let's continue the conversation. I want to get to those tweets and uh, and also the Papa John stuff after the break. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. Or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. And now for something completely different. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB. Uh, I want to... I have time for a quick call. Vince, I hate to rush you, but uh, give me what you got. No problem, Monica. You uh, Quickly, you said a moment ago that American exceptionalism had to do with uh, something about the U.S. above all of the other nations, and that's fundamentally American exceptionalism is the idea that the United States was the first country founded on a written constitution that limited the government and protected the freedom. I, I want to tell you something. I want to say this. I want to clarify this. I'm so glad you called. I that to me is the American experiment. That is American extraordinariness. But I think the word American exceptionalism is snuck in there to confuse us. And when you dig in, what are they an exception to? Not just any arbitrary norm, but an exception to that one rule. The nature of man. (laughs) What do you mean? It's an exception because. Uh, tyranny takes over in virtually all circumstances of government, and ours was specifically created so that hopefully that wouldn't happen. Yes, I I agree with you, and that's the American experiment, and it's why we are extraordinary. But I really believe that it's a trick term, American exceptionalism, and that – and I actually – very controversial figure some people think was a limited hangout, Prouty, Fletcher Prouty – wrote a book on, I think it was the JFK book he wrote. He was the deep throat, I think, perhaps, in Oliver Stone's movie. But he said that the, that, that was the turning point. That is uh, when we kind of went south, as when we thought of ourselves as having the right to make exceptions to respecting the sovereignty of others. Well, you said it goes back, you know, like before the, the, the Monroe Doctrine, um, so I'm not sure if it would be, you know, the, the 70s. But um, anyways, I, I just wanted to share that. Yeah, I appreciate that. I really do. I love the clarity. The, my stuff about the Monroe Doctrine was um, – I see how it relates, but I wasn't meaning for it to relate. I was just saying the concept of a regional hegemon, a, a one country that dominates an area is um, – exemplified in the Monroe Doctrine, and that's also kind of what, if you want to look at the USSR that way or the EU, Germany would lead. That's all I was talking about. But let's continue um, getting into the deeper stuff after the break. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. It's like everything I've been brought up to believe is all made of bull****. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Did I authorize that bleep drop? Binkley, is that? Yeah, it's uh, it's been authorized. Okay, (laughs) it's fine. Um, That was the Terminator, right? I just love the Terminator. Oh yeah, I really wanted to name my son John Connor, and then I realized I should have named my daughter Sarah Connor because she's the one who's going to be change her name, preparing for the revolution. Anyway, but the older I get, the less appetite I have for armed uprising. I'm just kidding. Not even allowed to joke about stuff like that. I'm <laughs> Unless you're Michael Moore. You can... I want to... I really have total respect. I want to preserve the Constitution. Maybe, maybe the struggle for liberty is an eternal exercise in just throwing sandbags up against the tide. 
that that's what it is, that it's forever, that it's a constant. I really feel like that's the whole like constant vigilance thing that Jefferson kind of. I think so. You know, alluded to. So we had a couple of great calls. I really appreciate Bill and Vince bringing out, um, you know, helping peel the onion a little bit on some of the things that we were talking about from my trip to Russia and my experience in Europe and the feedback I get from people over there on what they think we're like. Um, very, very interesting. I appreciate calls like that very much. Uh, and if you missed this, you can listen to the podcast on propagandareportdaily.com probably in a few days. I really, first of all, um, how you doing, Binkley? Binkley's my producer. If you just tuned in, he's uh, he brings us the clips and the more outrageous stories he likes to trigger me and uh reads my tweets so don't ever tweet at me anything you don't want him to know so <laughs> what uh what you got Binkley? you got a tweet for me i have a tweet from uh, justin amash who uh, one of my favorites if not my absolute favorite congressman he tweeted on i believe it's thursday he tweeted today by a vote of 363 to 54 Republicans and Democrats in the House quietly reauthorized funding for intelligence agencies and activities that have been used to violate the constitutionality protected rights of Americans. Thank you for that. That's very important. Here's the thing. We spent the week listening to Peter Strzok's testimony yeah the guy who looks like he can't go within a hundred feet of a schoolyard <laughs> yes yes there there is something you you said something about him he about his uh how he was cast say that again he, he is every corrupt fbi villain in every movie and tv show everyone has seen Looks like him, acts yeah. like him, talks like him. Right. I did not pick up on that. I was, now that you say it, it's definitely true. And there was such a theatrical quality about him and that whole episode. And the texts all seemed crazy to me that I I walked away convinced that the whole thing is like, a, you know, might even rise to the level of a hoax. I really don't know. He seems like a crisis actor to me. And I'm trying to stay away from that stuff, but I just can't. He just did nothing struck me as real. But I thought he was going to bust a blood vessel in his neck with the intensity which he stated that he loved the FBI. Yes, that did seem like borderline uh, inappropriate. It really, it, was, it, made, it made a lot of people uncomfortable, I think. But what I noticed about him, like the thing that struck me the most about him was how he embodied the dialectic as a single individual. So he was the hero and the villain at once for everybody, just like basically yeah. every presidential candidate now is. But and it and the the diver diversionary, diverting power of that is is absolute. Like everybody in the world loves him or hates him and is focused on that emotion. So when I tweeted that this guy, that I just thought this was the, the height of diversion because I believe what's happening with NATO right now when Trump said Germany needs to stop buying gas from Russia, to me that absolutely encapsulates everything I think about the origin of the world wars as just about um, 
making sure Germany and Russia do not cooperate. Like, that's what it's all about. So to me, that was like the most momentous, symbolic, significant geopolitical I mean, that's overstating it. But that was a symbol, a representation of what I think is the most important geopolitical issue. And I kind of said this guy stroke, struck, 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 whatever. Weird spelling. Yeah, is a diversion from important matters. And I got a tweet, which I'm going to take the liberty of reading myself. I love you, Monica, even though I often disagree with you. (laughs) I believe both of those things. But your tweet appears to lack appropriate anger and disgust at these corrupt FBI Keystone cops. Right now, I'm so angry at the smirks and lack of remorse. No evidence Trump colluded, but clear evidence of FBI corruption. That um, was from One Concern America. And I, I agree that that guy, you know, will make you crazy, make you mad. But I think that's what he was there for, yeah. to make you super mad. But then also... To say things that the left believes so that, you know, it's just this thing where it doesn't matter what your means are, your methods or whatever. This guy was right. Like if he undermined the president from inside the FBI, good. Mm -hmm. Right. So he's their hero. And but it doesn't matter. Like this is not the most monumentous policy. There is no policy at stake here. The only actual significant thing about it to me was how. There is a continuous theme actually rising to the level of meme of both cracking down on any kind of whistleblowing, leaks, transparency, oversight. This is across Obama and Trump's administrations coming out of these these institutions, these organizations, and at the same time restoring or instituting blind faith in them. So anyone coming out left, right, love, hate, Top, bottom, disgraced, honored, every single person, Comey, McCabe, this guy, Trump himself, Obama, everyone will always say the FBI has the most integrity of anything in the world. To me, that is a sign of bad things coming. Yeah. You know, and Mueller and Comey were hailed as having the highest integrity. If you scratch and sniff on those guys, it is putrid. Like what they were up to is the opposite of integrity from anthrax to Whitey Bulger to the Lockerbie bombing. Just look into Mueller um, and Comey and Foster and all that kind of stuff. And uh, if that's where things, you know, why set up a lack of transparency and blind faith? If you don't, you know, that's the absolute power that will be abused, if not by these guys, by the next guys. Yeah. And those other intelligence heads or former heads, Clapper, Comey, and the other guy, I can't remember, former head of the NSA, I believe, they are all currently on book tours doing interviews nearly every day promoting their books, which promote basically just trust the intelligence agencies who have historically lied to us. Yeah, and, the, and they make their money that way. I've long thought that the books are ways of paying off these guys that George Soros or Warren Buffett or – Koch brothers, maybe whoever's behind, you know, whoever's your oligarch of choice. Also propaganda. Oh, buy no, I know, but they'll give them, they'll buy a million copies of their books. (laughs) But that so they promote them. It's all, it's a win-win. It's how it's how the wheels are greased. I've always felt. Uh, You know who I want? Whose book I want to read? If he ever writes it, Uh, Papa John. I would like to read that book as well, but it'll probably get blacklisted. 
Oh, yeah, because I actually, some of the stuff you came up with on this story, I actually tried to find myself. I mean, I was kind of busy, so it's not like I was like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. Plus, you have those techniques of searching that I don't, I don't want anyone to know about because I don't want them to get plugged, but I feel like you can somehow <laughs> access whatever stuff that is no longer easily accessible from my cursory Google searches. But I don't want to get ahead of myself here. Let's, can you, uh, I hadn't, so I've been out of town, out of the country for a while. I'm way behind on the news, certainly not keeping up with stuff that's bubbling up on the left. Tell me what the whole Papa John's thing, just tell me what, what this week's story was, and then you can give me a little bit of the backstory. This week's story was about the founder and former CEO of Papa John's, John uh, Schnatter, uh, Schnatter, Schnatter, I guess that's how you say it. He made the news because so he was in a meeting or a training, a media training session where he was learning how to handle crisis, media crisis situations. They were doing some role-playing stuff, and it was leaked that he used the N-word during that session. Okay. And the fallout has been that Basically, he's been used as yet another example of white nationalism running rampant across the country, and uh, there needs to be consequences. People have stopped. Um, they had a lot of partners in Major League Baseball, the NFL, even here in Atlanta, and they're all dropping them. And he had to step down from the, the board, and he so had to step why down. why would he say that word? Like why was he saying that? Was he – well, angry at someone on the team? <laughs> was see, he this is, uh, recounting be, some personal experience he had? I'm not sure what exactly he said. Because why, why aren't you sure? There's no audio tape, and the leak came from an anonymous source, obviously, and it was skipped past, and it was just assumed to be true. Well, and, I'll tell you, I tried to find his rebuttal. Yeah. There was a statement referred to. He made a statement, yes, and I did. couldn't find. I couldn't even find it on the Papa John's website. His statement, or his full statement, is mind blowing when you hear how it was reported, and then you hear how he represents what happened. Did you hear him or see a transcript of an official statement that he made? Did he make an official statement? I don't think he made an official statement. The, st- the statements – because he said that some of the statements that came out weren't – that he didn't actually officially apologize in this capacity or that capacity. I think that an official statement came from Papa John's, and r- really they just relied on the anonymous source to say that he said this word and that he said – he. some people called it a racist rant, which is shocking to me, and then – he was removed from the board at Louisville, or he stepped down from the board at Louisville. He's one of the biggest owners to Louisville University, and somebody at Louisville, because he said in this interview that a bunch of people that were working with him suddenly came out and just started making all these statements about him without consulting with him first. All right. Hold on. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Um, maybe we should take a break, and then when we come back, you can tell me exactly what you think he said and why he said it. And then after that, I I did get some clips from you about what he said after this thing, after the news broke, which to me was shocking because it seems like this, the real story is absolutely, totally different from how it's being reported 
on the left anyway, in the CNN. That's all. But let's get let's just take a quick break and we'll get back and um, take this apart piece by piece. You can tweet at me, Monica per- at Monica Perez Show, or you can call eight hundred WSB Talk. Monica Perez. Maybe it's something really cool that I don't even know about. You know, on News ninety five five at AM seven fifty WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB. I am. Uh, we're talking about what happened with Papa John's. Binkley's trying to lay it out for me. I've got a couple of calls. I'm going to get to those after I get a little clarity from Binkley. What did he say? What did Papa John say? Where and why? During a media training session, and he was at Papa John's, so it was uh... with a PR firm. He was not with the PR firm. He was on the phone with a PR firm. And he said, or at least he allegedly said, the N-word in the context of he said Colonel Sanders used to say the N-word, and he never got in as much trouble as I'm getting right now. And then the story, as the media is reporting it, says that he went on to describe how when he grew up that African-Americans were – you know. They were there's there's violence. So he described some bad things and they said that he was describing it to say to use use those examples as to show why he is not a racist. And that's basically all that they said he said. Hmm. Okay. They give no context other than that. And from that, which it's unverified, there's no audio and the source is anonymous, but I think I have a pretty good idea who it is. He's been branded a racist, white nationalist, and people are dropping Papa John's left and right over the past few days. Okay. So do we have time, do you think, right now to play? You sent me a bunch of clips. I want to fit them all together in the story. Let's start with the first 20 seconds of Don Lemon's um, report on CNN, and then let's go on from there. Okay. Uh, and can I just say this? Yeah. This is one of the best examples of how fake news really works, taking a kernel of truth and using it to create a horribly false. Uh, I don't even think it's a kernel of truth. It's where you might as well cut different words, you know? Yeah. OK, here's clip nine. I want to talk about what John Schnatter did. He used the N-word while he was on the phone with the public relations firm hired to help him respond to questions about race. That's according to Forbes. And he said, Colonel Sanders called blacks. N-word. It was referring to the founder of Kentucky Fried Chicken. And then he complained that Sanders faced no backlash. So go on. I know you want to respond to what the congressman said, but that is the backstory to what Schnatter said. Sure. And I think it's unfortunate because... Sorry. Okay. He is implying that that guy was saying, I, why can't I use that word? Yes. Which is definitely not. And then we're going to peel the onion right after the break. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. We are going where I think others do not go. I don't know why this hasn't been exposed 
24-7 as a propaganda uh, effort extremely unjust from what I can tell. Normally I'm like, uh, you know, I don't know what it's like to walk in somebody else's shoes. But this this Papa John's thing is definitely a setup. Papa John uh, is accused of having said the N-word, which he did. But he was pressured into saying it. He was referring to someone else. And what he was saying was, we don't use that word around here. We never have. It's not something we have to worry about. Stop worrying about it. We don't use that word. And um, that's what I'm getting out of this story. And for that, he's basically, I mean, he hasn't lost all his money, but he seems to have lost everything else and his reputation and everything. And I think he's actually handling it rather graciously if you listen to some of his interviews after the fact, but it's kind of hard to find the real story and his real words and his real statements. They're just not being brought out. But I think we should bring it out because it really demonstrates the power of fake news. I mean, this is fake news. I kind of laugh at that term because Trump only uses it about CNN and it's also on Fox and every place else that's just coming out of the glowing box 24-7. But this is CNN and it is really fake news. So Binkley, my producer, brought this stuff to me and uh, I find it very convincing. Before the break, we played the uh, a short clip of Don Lemon misrepresenting this and the end of um, that clip I want to play now uh, to set the tone. And then I want to play Papa John in his own words about what really happened and let you see if you agree with me. And then you can tell me what you think. So Binkley, can you play for me the second half of that Don Lemon clip now? Up here, He's on the board of trustees for the University of Louisville, and they're calling for the university to remove him as well. And I think that is the obvious next step. There should never it should never be a surprise to us or a gift to us when someone gets out of the way um, when they're touting white, white supremacist beliefs or uh, racism. He should be so, removed of everything of every public platform where he sits. Alice. OK. So this was a, a guest on Don Lemon's show on CNN, or does she have some? It's a regular, regular. commentator. Okay. Andrea right. Rye, I believe is her name. Okay, so she's saying that Papa John is has white is touting white supremacist beliefs and is a racist. So let's let's see if you think that's what was really going on. And he should lose all of his public platforms because of it. Yes, right, right, right. Uh I want to play some of these clips, and then I want to get into why they are after him and that the, the fold-in with the communist philosophy mm-hmm. of uh, sacrificing yourself for the good of the collective. I think they're mad at him for pushing back on issues in the past, from Obamacare to the commercial impact of the NFL take-a-knee movement just by say by speaking freely about that stuff with without prejudice, it seemed like to me, he got uh, you're not allowed to get a you're not even allowed. Like, I think Scott Bayo defended himself against what seemed to be false accusations of sexual misconduct. And for that, I believe he's like blacklisted in Hollywood. The idea the reason it's communist, in my opinion, is 
from what I understand about the Soviet era, you would have to sacrifice yourself for the good of the state, whether you were right or wrong, even if your ideology was correct and you were calling out real transgressions against the communist ideology, you were expected, at least in spy novels and stuff, you were expected to sacrifice yourself for the good of the state, which was also the party, the good of the party. So when somebody, that's why I feel like, that's what I think the significance is of the Me Too movement, where they're like, look, we're not going to wait for a trial or an investigation. It is your obligation to step down as a sacrificial lamb for this movement for the good of the party. You may or may not be repaid in the future, but this is our job as collectivists. And when a guy like Papa John doesn't heal, you know, doesn't adhere to this, He's going to go down and go down big. So she said he was touting white supremacist beliefs and was a racist. Now, let's play clip 29 just as a first foray into trying to understand what really happened. This is Papa John himself. They were promoting that kind of vocabulary and they kept hitting it. I'm like, no, we're not going to go. We're not going to do that. That's not how we we uh, that's not what we're about in our, our heart and soul of Papa John's. And they kept going. And I said, listen, so and so used the N word. I don't use the N-word. We don't use the N-word, and we've never used the N-word. So that's dead in the conversation. That sounds to me like they were pushing him and pushing him. And and you were saying, Binkley, that you have an insight into that because they were doing role-playing? This was a media training, and this was a role-playing scenario to handle media crisis. And I've worked in some of these environments facilitating corporate improv training workshop type stuff – And people are directed to get into it, get into the character, go there, commit to it. And especially when you understand who the people are that are working here, um, I can totally see where where after watching this interview where he was being saying, no, go there, say it, say it. What would Colonel say? Like I can totally see him being pushed and directed into making this um, comment like he didn't want to. That's what it sounds like yeah. to me. I don't know if some of these other clips get into that. Maybe clip 13 or possibly clip 27 um, emphasizes that he really didn't want to talk, that this was not coming from him. Yeah. Either one of those. You referenced Colonel Sanders, KFC. Have you heard from them? Are they upset with you? We heard something that's well, possibly suing. I haven't heard that. Um, the... That would have never come up if, you know, Forbes hadn't um, hadn't brought it up and, you know, made, forced me to address it. I think what happened was the media people set him up and had this piece of, um, of audio that they were recording that they were going to use against him, and they gave it to Forbes, and Forbes went with the obvious misrepresentation of what he was saying and didn't go to him but published it instead and then it made it a federal case so it's really you know i think he's batting it back and saying forbes is the one who put it out there i didn't yeah uh and in clip 14 he acknowledges that uh well let's hear it i don't blame anybody for being upset with me or with papa john's because what they think that i said if i thought I said what they think I said. I'd be upset, too. And, um, you know, I, I um, uh, again, it was out of, it was represented out of context. 
Yeah, so he's saying, but even just saying it was represented out of context, I don't think goes far enough. I, I they, don't either. They baited him into saying something he did not want to say, and he said, I never say that. That's why I'm not saying it, you know? Yeah. And for that, he's a white supremacist, right. touting white supremacist beliefs. And the person who runs, who owns the place now is a guy named Casey Wasserman who bought it in April. See, Papa John's had been working with that company previous to that. So this guy was new into the into the mix. Now, Wasserman is – he is the hair of uh, like a – an agency, a Hollywood agency, his his great grandfather, his grandfather's oh, whole family. Oh, that name sounds familiar. Like mm-hmm. I think Les Wasserman was his great uh, his granddad's name, but he is a major liberal donor. He held a fundraiser for Hillary Clinton in 2016, and his family has a history of being influential in the Democratic Party. And his company bought the company in April, a month before this happened. Wow, a month before that. Yeah. Wow, so. Obviously, so they were baiting him, they were recording it, and they got it published, sneaky of them to put it in Forbes, which is not generally considered, it's not a liberal rag. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's interesting. There's so much more, and look, the lines lit up. (laughs) I hope my, hope my, uh, our new board is working right. Um, People have a lot to say about this, so we'll finish playing a little, few more clips, but we'll also take some calls after the break, 800-WSB-TALK. You can also tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Your show is the grand prize for so many of us. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We really struck a chord with this Papa John stuff, I got to tell you. Um, We've got more of it to come. Uh, Lots of calls. I'm going to get to as many as I can. I'm going to take a quick one right now. Charlie in Oxford, you are on with Monica. Yeah, this thing is just like out of a uh, communist playbook. And if you saw videos from communist China, all the people that they would put up on a stage and hang, uh, you know, names on their neck and let people stand and yell insults at them, they had to be uh, publicly shamed. And that's what we're trying to do now is, is if you don't toe the line, you're publicly shamed, and you have to be destroyed. You have to lose everything that you have. Yes, you're I mean, so – yes, that, that, that is another element of it. I thought you were going to maybe well, echo yeah. what I had said earlier. But you – and you don't even have to be guilty, but you cannot push back. Well, here's another thing, and I, and I know I'll, I will be harassed for saying this probably, but let's say a man did say that word. You lose everything in your life for saying that word? I mean, where have we come to that it's like this? Well, the reason they, I believe that what's behind this is they take a word that everybody can agree is bad and hurtful and has no place, right? Yes, I agree. And then then they say, okay, we've now established a baseline of something you are not permitted to think. Okay, and then they can fold into that stuff that does have dialectical value or argumentative value. You know what I mean? You can you you take the stuff like Bill Cosby. Okay, if he drugged and raped these girls, then maybe he doesn't actually deserve Sixth Amendment protection. 
Right. So you right. can all agree that he can get screwed over because somebody has to do something about that guy. And then you can take it to another, a different level where it's not so clean cut or it's not such a, an obvious bad thing, but you've set the baseline where you take away people's rights to self-defense. Well, did you see the story last night about the three African-American uh, interns in Washington, D.C. that got turned down by an Uber driver because they had a Make America Great hat in their hand? No, I didn't uh, see And that. he said, you cannot ride and I will not give you a ride. Well, that's interesting because you're not allowed to re- deny people service, certainly in taxis, but maybe, you know, you're, if you're that bad. Uh, I got to take a break, but I'll be right back and we can finish up on all of this after the break at Monica Perez show. Monica Perez. This will not stand, you know? This aggression will not stand, man. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We are in the home stretch. There's never enough time, but uh, we have until 6 o'clock and we're going to make the most of it. Wrapping up this outrageous story about Papa John's, and um, it's more than just taking this guy out. It's a it's a new method of where you're not permitted to defend yourself. We just got a great call. That's straight out of the communist manifesto. What's good for the collective? You must sacrifice yourself for the collective. But we just got another great call saying if you look at old films of uh, Red China, they would. Uh, publicly shame people, hang signs on their necks and, uh, you know, strip them of everything. And that's what they're trying to do to this this guy. And I would say I can't I'm not seeing a good reason. I want to give you a prize pack first and then um, we're going to play some more clips and rapid fire through the calls if we can. Uh, the prize pack today is a family four pack of tickets to see the Gwinnett Stripers at Cool Ray Field. You can go anytime during the regular season, which is awesome. So the first to call this special number, not the regular number, 404-741-0750 gets that prize. So Binkley, my producer here, um, always handy with the outrageous clips and all that. What uh, There was one clip you sent me that it was a little bit long. It's about a whole minute. It was Papa John being interviewed by a radio host, I believe, and uh, and he lays out some backstory here, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Do you have that, Clip 11? I do. All right. Uh, who is it he's talking to? He's talking to a guy named Terry Miners of All right. News uh, Radio 840 Kentucky. Okay. Let's hear it. You think that that word was induced out of you by them? Do you think there was a nefarious process in place that this company that was supposedly helping you, working with you, was out to get you? Um, let's put it this way. They're no longer our agency of record. And uh, unbeknownst to me, before the, the training, they were let go as our media buyers. And so they were a little bit upset with, uh, with Papa John before we went into the, the training session. So um, I don't like the whole dynamics of the way they went about the training and the preparation and then the um, then running the comments to, to Forbes. Uh, but again, Terry, I have to own this. And uh, you, you can't talk like that, even if I'm provoked. And even if it's in ma- media training, you can't, you can't, even if so, I was saying what somebody else said, but you can't do that either. So he, you're right. He's really not great 
you know, at explaining. And I think I still think he's a little bit naive because he's like, well, they were mad for losing the um, the deal. But you tell me, Binkley, that the guy who now owns the company kind of slipped in. I, I, I don't know. I doubt this guy who I think wasn't Papa John a known Trump supporter. Yeah, he yes. donated to Trump. So why would he hire a media firm owned by a very well-known liberal? And the and the reality is they were his firm before the Wasserman came in and bought it, right? Yeah. So maybe he doesn't even realize that it was even deeper than that. And then there's another clip. Uh, you know, he just doesn't seem as worked up as I would be if this is what was happening. Do clip 26. All right. They wanted $6 million to make it go away. Like, they were paying me $6 million. And, you know, they made it pretty clear that if uh, the words were, if I don't get my effing money, I'm going to bury the founder. This said to one of the executives. So I, I'm not for sale. You know, they can take the $6 million, whatever, they're, you know, they're not getting it. So, yeah, they tried to extort us, and we held firm, and <laughs> they took what I said, and they ran to Forbes, and Forbes printed it, and, it went uh, it went viral. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the six million dollars was a trap also that if he paid it, you know, because Cosby paid that chick off for something he says he didn't really an admission of guilt. Right. So I think that this thing was absolutely political from the beginning. And uh, and I want to go yeah. to a call. I think dovetails with that. Uh, Jr. in Gainesville. Jr. you are on with Monica. Uh, Monica, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Can you hear me? Listen, this is exactly where we are as a nation. This is literally political warfare. And until we start getting smart and conducting ourselves along the lines of warfare, we're going to continue to get our uh, clocks cleaned. Let me say this. This is absolute retribution for him standing with Donald Trump with the NFL protest against uh, the players. I don't think he stood with him against the players, did he? Well, did, 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 didn't they pull their advertisement for that, for the NFL? Yeah, but Bigley tells me what, what really was just a was a comment that was neutral. Go, he just was, listen for a second, JR. Binkley, go. He was talking to, to donors and uh, to about the— Not donors, investors, investors in his public yeah, company. About the reports, yeah, like the uh, quarterly reports, and the, they were down. And he believed the reason they were down is because the NFL viewership was down, and Papa John's was, the, was an official sponsor of the NFL— so Correct. people weren't seeing their ads. They weren't buying as much pizza, and he attributed it to to them not solving the problem of the the knee the kneeling for the anthem thing. But I don't, are you saying, Jr., that you think that Papa John's stood with Trump beyond just that? Uh, in a way, but let me say this: this is politi- the demonization of politics at its yes. best, where where what happens is the moral masters of the universe come up with a contrived event or story or outrage, just like the migrant crisis or whatever. They claim the moral high ground, and anyone who isn't against them, they get to literally destroy. Now, this is not that far down the road before we get to the Colosseum-filled you know, lions where they were putting Christians in them you know, thousands of years ago, where you isolate someone, where you make the Jews wear the Star of David in Germany, so we're identifying that person. We're going to push them out. They're going to be an outlier, and then we basically get to do whatever we want with them, take their rights, take their homes, take their businesses, take their property, yeah, I think imprison what's, them. What's interesting is that, on the one hand, it's identity that's 
that is historically like the worst thing you can do, like a genocide, any kind of ethnic based persecution like that. And I agree. That's I mean, I'm an individualist. Any individual who loses his rights, it's as bad as a whole group or whatever. But they're going to extend this to political views and say, now, your identity is sacrosanct, but your politics are a choice. And if you're evil, you're evil, man. (laughs) Well, well, Monica, this is where I'm going. Extend this to you don't have our view of of abortion or gay rights. It's going to be the same isolation, the same separation, the same demonization. And I'll say this. the, the, The sad part, the paradox here. The really sad part is we have these feigned moral outrages that are basically set up hit jobs. And then on the other end of the spectrum, Monica, we've got true national security being compromised with the Awad scandal. No one goes to jail. No one's prosecuted. No one's, you know, you know suffering under the penal system for breaking massive, serious fel- you know, laws See, at the felony level. I can't go into, I feel like that's, you're going into the dialectic where it's pure left-right, pure Democrat-Republican. I can't do that. But I can say, you know, because I, I feel like the real issue are the fundamental rights that we are being set up to lose, the First Amendment rights. It's, I started the year by saying the theme of the year is going to be you're a Democrat, or you're evil. And evil can be punished. So identity can't be punished, but your political viewpoints, if they make you evil, can be punished, and you have no rights because you're subhuman at that point. Uh, It's all getting rather disgusting, in my opinion. But um, I don't know. I, I I still think the same solution is always absolutely full on the sword, for our protections, I'm telling you, the Sixth Amendment, make sure people get real rights to self-defense. I, I don't know. Um, let me keep going. I want to go to Ron and Canton. Hi, Ron. You're on with Monica. Hi, Monica. You know, I wrote about this Papa John story a day or two ago, and it gave the context. So I didn't think much of it. And then I look at what he's done today and divesting himself and stepping down from this and that. Why don't these people fight back instead of be steamrolled? I don't understand it. And he's got the money to do it. Yeah, you know, I was trying to find his answers. First of all, when you, I think the whole point is to teach you a lesson for fighting back. I don't think, um, Scott Bayo, I think, fought back and was punished (laughs) for it. And I look at some other people. Kalanick, even I wonder sometimes way down the rabbit hole about Joan Rivers. Go, Binkley. I think hiring a PR firm to help you manage these situations is how people fight back because he, he doesn't have the natural ability to do that. Like Trump is very good at doing that kind of thing naturally. Companies hire PR firms to help them strategize this, and he happened to get some get like a Trojan horse in there. Trojan horse for sure because I really – it looks to me like they bought the company – in order to get to him, and the company was ripe for that, perhaps because they had lost the the bigger business of the media. I really don't know what the nuances there, but it looked very stinky, like a setup from the beginning. And I just would not think of the major Hillary donor as a guy this person would choose to help him navigate these icy waters 
after he stepped in it a couple of times, doing what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to explain why your revenue, why your sales are down. You're supposed to explain it in no uncertain terms. And as a matter of fact, you have a fiduciary duty to do that. If you did not tell the truth, you could be held liable for that. It's deceptive. And he said to satisfy the problem in a way that satisfies the players. Really? Yeah. Yep, this guy's getting handed to him. And and I think that bad politics, like being having evil Trumpian views, isn't anywhere near as grievous a sin as being rational and intelligent. And like your the Cavill story you sent me, Henry Cavill, whatever. The actor who, like, said some views about hashtag me too, and they seemed reasonable, and they're just like, you're disgusting. You're, I don't want to be called a rapist for not raping anyone. You're a rapist. I was like, what? Anyway, sorry. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> I, maybe we can talk about it after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Thank you so much for dragging me down the rabbit hole. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Wrapping it up, uh, I wanted to let you know that you can hear the Republican candidates for governor debate on WSB Sunday at 1230 to 1.30. Casey Cagle and Brian Kemp square off. See it on Channel 2 Action News and hear it on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And I will give you my two cents on all that next Saturday from 3 to 6. I am, uh, we got to wrap it up, but there is more of this. Binkley... Tell people how they can hear this podcast, hear, hear other stuff. And I did take a little vacation. We'll be back on the podcasting this week, too. Go to PropagandaReportDaily.com. Click on the Apple or Android icon on the right, and you can find our shows there. That's awesome. Uh, I am going to give David 45 seconds because he's been on hold so long. David, can you give me what you got in 45 seconds? We raised a lot of Yeah. Nope. Great job. Yeah, great. Uh-uh. Sorry, buddy. I lost him. He was on hold for so long. Um, okay, so then how about you take the last word, Binkley? What do you? What's the takeaway on the Papa John's thing? What should he do? What should we do? You got well. My takeaway from that is the fact that the 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 story here, really, if it was an objective media, would be that somebody accused a major liberal donor who was a major Hillary Clinton fundraiser of uh, extortion for $6 million, yet the story is about how he's a racist. The other guy, Pop Jones guy. Yeah, that's a good point. And you know what I think is a big tell is are the dogs that don't bark. Why does it? Why isn't yeah. Fox saying what we're saying? Right, exactly. You know, it's all, it's all a scam. Anyway, visit us on PropagandaReportDaily.com, and we will be back here on WSB next Saturday from 3 to 6. This is Monica Perez.